0: What's up, guys? Welcome to our special roundtable trade-a-palooza featuring just one expert today. We were supposed to have three, and hopefully we'll have those guys on soon. But we're going to start off with a good friend, a guy that I've had on here probably three or four times. And I even uh, shared a beer with at, at a game against the Pelicans a few weeks ago. I'm not sure that Philip would have a beer because he was working. He had his nice button-down on, but I enjoyed a libation myself. On today's episode with Mr. Philip. we're going to be discussing how the salary cap will affect the trade line, some of the biggest buyers and sellers on the market some of the hottest names and what it'll take specifically to get them. And obviously, specifically, we're going to focus.
1: Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact
0: Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. On some of the magic, guys, but we'll look at the league as a whole as well. And uh, I, I've already mentioned that his name is Philip Rossman Reich. In case you don't know who he is, you can follow him at Phil R squared. He is the host to Locked On Magic and the site editor and expert at orlandomagicdaily.com. Philip, you've been under the weather lately. How are you feeling, man?
2: Uh you know, I woke up this morning feeling significantly better uh just just overall feeling better so I can function but uh you know it's it i'm I'm definitely not a hundred percent yet, so um excuse me if I have to to cough off to the side a little bit.
0: Oh, no problem at all. And you sound, you actually sound terrific. I was telling you this off the air. You've got a really good voice for this. And other than the occasional cough or two, I don't think anybody would notice if you didn't bring it to light. Let's, let's get into this. Let's talk some magic because this is a very exciting time of year. I know the magic haven't enjoyed the, the most famous of years. They started eight and four, but now they've hit rock bottom at 14 and 33. They lost to the Knicks recently. They're now tied with them for the worst record in the NBA. Uh, but like I said, there's ex- some excitement because you get a lot of that trade chatter. You get a lot of interest from fans and and national media types were tying Aaron Gordon to the Cavaliers. It's very exciting to, to be part of the national spotlight. And you guys do have a lot of players that teams are interested. Uh, Jeff Weltman said it himself. John Hammond said they're they're open to anything that will improve the long-term future. Uh, like I said, you sustained some injuries to guys like Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, Aaron, Aaron Gordon, and now Nikola Vucevic. Uh, and and who's who's to say how the season might have gone if those guys might have been healthy who's to say what the magic team would have looked like tell us about what specifically has gone wrong this season injuries and whatever else for the magic that could make them sellers this year at the deadline
2: well what what what, it's probably easier to list the things that have gone right for this team so far this year i mean you don't you don't enter the season with uh, not playoff expectations i I don't think the, the magic you know probably thought in the best case scenario this was a playoff team but uh, you don't enter the season with even middling expectations like the Magic had this year and end up with the worst record in the league or tied for the worst record in the league with the with the Kings and Hawks and not have a lot of things go wrong. Um, injury is definitely a big part of it, but really a lot of it's just been a kind of lack of maturation. Uh, this is just a very young team with a very young core that has really only experienced losing in their careers. And I think what, what the Magic are, are seeing happen, play out this year, is a team that's full of veterans that have never won before. Um, And and I think that kind of the scars of years past scars, you know, the team started 19 and 13 in 2016 and lost the team came into last year with high expectations and the bottom just completely fell out on, fell out from under them. Um, This is a team that has not experienced a lot of success. And so when things go South, they seem to stumble off of a cliff and that's exactly what's happened this year. And so the magic are, you know, new management for sure coming in looking to put their own imprint on this roster. Everyone kind of I think everyone senses it's it's kind of the end of the road for a lot of the for a lot of these players or a lot, or this core specifically and it's probably time to flip things over and start anew.
0: Yeah, and the general sentiment around the NBA has been, although, like you said, uh, these guys are open to trades, open to long-term health of the franchise, in whatever capacity that might mean, but the national sentiment right now is that there, it's going to be a quieter deadline than in years past, just because teams are unwilling to take on uh long-term salary and when i think of long-term salary i think of somebody like an evan fournier who's got two to three years left on his deal uh you do have players like Vucevic, who who broke his wrist so he's not available to be traded as of yet and terrence ross who's still out for the foreseeable future but you do have mario hazonia and alfred payton who will be a restrictive free agent but with that being said there's got to be a fear in orlando maybe a tepid fear uh when you look around the association and you see guys like victor oladipo tobias harris mo harkless guys who've been cultivated in other markets and have been Become successful Nba players and think to yourself do, does it pay to be patient at this point Philip
2: well I mean i i think I think you can say uh to, to, to that extent the magic have been really impatient with with everything that they've done over the last two years really um it, it's not just a matter of their their poor development of some of their own players it's their belief that there's a timeline to these things and and trying to to, to skip ahead in the process when maybe the team wasn't ready I mean maybe the team wasn't ready for a coach like like Scott Skiles um even though they went 30 they won 35 games that year it was their best season uh best season uh under this rebuild maybe the team really wasn't ready for a coach like him and the demands that he put on them or maybe they needed another year with him and his resignation really set the team back because uh now you had to bring in a new voice a new terminology not only that then you also completely flipped over the roster so there was no continuity at all and so Um, I think the magic's problem has been a lack of patience and, and you hope that, um, and obviously right now it's, it's, it's kind of a tricky spot because these aren't the players that, that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond assembled. These aren't the players that they picked. Uh, and so there's, there's definitely a feeling of, they got to go out and find the guys that they want that fit what they believe in and what they think uh, a basketball team should be. Um, but, uh, if anything, the magic, Magic need to have some patience right now. It's it sucks for fans, and and I think or Orla- I think Orlando's trying not to say rebuild and say that this is going to take another three, maybe four years to get it back right. But the reality is, it's it might take another three or four years to get this back right.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned maturation as something that the Magic desperately need. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the, the needs and wants of the uh, the Magic on this podcast. And and they did try that with guys like DJ Augustin and Bismack Biambo and Sheldon Mack and Jeff Green in previous years and some of those older veterans. And, and they just haven't managed to put it together with some of the young stars, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon. Talk, talk about some of the needs going into the trade deadline. Should you guys jump in with both feet? Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of young players with talent, you might be able to get a first round pick, but uh, odds are in this day and age, unless you're parting with Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac, you're not getting anything in the top 10. if, If the Magic should dive into these waters, are they just looking for cap relief?
2: You know, I think they're looking for a couple of things and it's not positional. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say the magic need a point guard, although they they need a point guard. I'm not going to sit here and say the magic, you know, need a center or they need X, Y, or Z. Uh, I, I think that they're, you know, you're the worst team in the league. You need everything. The only thing that I think I would steer a little clear from is starting power forward and starting small forward, because essentially that's where you think Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac are going to be. And that's this kind of the same approach I have to the draft. You just, get the best players you can and and you can fit roles and figure it out later. <coughs> Excuse me. Um with with the magic right now I think they need to go after players that fit the vision that they want to fulfill. Um they need to find players that are um that that are their uh part of their future. And the big thing on top of that is just clearing some cap room. They they need to st- they need to turn over this this rotation. This uh, core the players that aren't part of their future, they need to make not part of their future anymore. They need to spin those players over. The players that they need to bring players in, that will be part of their future. And so it's really, this is all about foundation laying. I mean, I, I, think, I've, I think I've told fans this a million times when they ask me, you know, how long is this going to take? The Magic need to do something. I can't believe the season's gone so poorly. I'm like, look, this is year zero of a rebuild. You can't think of it as anything else because new management hasn't gotten its fingerprints on this team yet. They, they literally could not do anything uh, with the roster that they had because of the contracts that were handed out. And so they got to start flipping over some of these contracts. They got to start flipping over this core. And Jeff Waltman needs to get his fingerprints on this team. And once he does, then we can begin evaluating, okay, this is maybe how long it's going to take, or this is where the magic are at. And, you know, I'm someone that, you know, if I'm looking for a silver lining, I, I think that there is a little bit of a silver lining in, in the way Aaron Gordon has played, and Jonathan Isaac's a nice prospect, and then you got a high draft pick coming this year. Um, but what's really important now is to set yourself up for the future and lay down those foundations to make next year a more productive one.
0: Philip, we want the magic to unload at this point, just because it's sexy, it's exciting, it, you know, it, it creates news and it creates interest, that sort of thing. So with that being said, obviously Fournier is the guy who comes up in conversations the the most, but but it's a big contract. It's going to be difficult to move. It's somebody taking on years of salary. How, how sincere do you think the interest is in Evan Fournier around the NBA?
2: I think there is definitely interest in Evan Fournier because I think a lot of teams know that... That there is not a lot there's not a lot of salary, I mean, I think the Magic know the suit, but there's there's not a, not a lot of teams with cap room this summer. And so essentially, if there's a team that's looking to make a big splash or a, a move that they think can take them from maybe solid playoff team to you know maybe contender or from a fringe playoff team to a solid playoff team, Maybe they're willing to take the risk on Evan Fournier and give give something up because it doesn't seem like the Magic are asking for a ton. If you have an expiring that that you want to get rid of, and that could be a way to upgrade your roster and kind of keep up with the Joneses. I mean, we've seen what what the league has done in free agency, and this year is probably going to be a little bit quieter on the free agency front. Um, ha- having said that, uh, you know, I, I also think that the Magic are in a position of power here, and and you know, this is this is something I've I've thought about a lot over the last few days and, and really weeks the magic aren't in any rush to make a deal with Evan Fournier he's got what two years left on his deal three years left on his deal after this one they, they I think it's clear they want to kind of move on from him or, or start flipping over some of those core pieces um but they don't have to do it now there's no there's there, there's urgency because the magic need to make change but the deadline isn't the finish line for the magic if they don't find a deal that they like for Evan fournier I'm sure they. Uh, Fournier is a very productive player. I'm sure they'd be happy to keep him to the trade to to the draft or into the summer, where all these same rules apply, where teams are probably going to be looking for. I need this last piece to get me over the top. I couldn't find it in free agency. Here's someone who's available in a trade. Let's see if we can make something work. The same rules, the same conversations that the Magic are having today about Evan Fournier, they can probably still have them in June and July. And so I, I think that the Magic are. Listening, I think that they're active. I think that they're looking, and and with Evan Fournier specifically, I think that they probably are receiving a lot of interest because he's still a very productive player. He's averaging what seventeen points per game, shooting a hair less, than, hair worse than forty percent from the from beyond the arc. He's a very productive player. Um, but if the Magic don't get what they want, they don't have to do anything. There, there's no rush to trade him, and so I think that could help spur some offers if a team's really desperate for him. Or it could mean that the better offers are are yet to come.
0: I had to look it up myself. It's a two plus one with a third year being a player option. So three years, 41 million remaining, unless he chooses to opt out. Uh, obviously he's the splashy player for the magic that could move. I don't think anybody anticipates Aaron Gordon's going to go anywhere. That would just be a, a complete and total uh, rebuild on the part of John Hammond and Jeff Wiltman. But there are some interesting pieces. Like you said, a lot of teams are tied up salary cap wise and the magic could provide a bit of relief for guys in the bodies of Mario Hazonia, who's expiring. He's going to be unrestricted. Shelvin Mack, who only has $1 million guaranteed next year. DJ Augustin, who just has one year, I think it's $7.5 million or something. He could provide some scoring for a team who needs that coming off the bench. And then Alfred Payton, who's restricted, but if a team doesn't want to bring him back, of course, they have that option. Do you, do you think the Magic could manage anything by just sending out cash?
2: Um, I think it's possible. Um, I, I kind of see a lot of those guys as as kind of enhancement. Um, you know, if, if it, I, I just don't see the Magic trying to take on more salary because their their problem right now is a lack of flexibility. I mean, I, I, I kind of joked about it. I, I didn't joke about it yesterday, but I, I pointed it out as a point of fact um, that uh, the magic are the worst team and have the worst record in the league and have no players in the rising stars challenge. So if, if you, if you don't, if you're, if you're a bad team like the magic and you don't have a player in the rising stars challenge and you don't have cap room you don't have a lot of hope to sell to your fan base or to your team that you're going to get much better, other than your draft pick that's coming up. So that's not a good position to be in for the Magic. And so I think that while it's, it's I mean, I think Shelvin Mack, Alfred Payton, Mario Azonia, those are nice contracts to have. And, and I'm sure they'll get some interest. And I'm sure Alfred Payton will get a ton of, will get at least a little bit of interest. Um, And I actually think Azonia is probably the most likely player to get traded uh, off the Magic at the trade deadline. Um, I, I think that. The that the magic really aren't in a position to trade out cat trade out cash essentially uh to bring in another big big game player another big salary player i mean the the report that's going around now that the magic are looking for maybe a guy on a rookie scale deal that makes sense to me but i don't see the magic say packaging shelvin Mack and alfred payton to bring in an 11 million dollar a year player I, I just don't think that's in the cards and i don't think that's what the magic want to do to they, they want to kind of start clearing their books kind of bring in a little bit more youth, maybe a cheap veteran, um, and then figure things out next summer.
0: Uh, You mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned this uh, a couple of times, uh, basically about the you know, the Magic not wanting to take on long-term salary. And it's too bad to hear you because I know the the Pelicans would be happy to send you Alexis <laughs> and Jensen a second-round pick for Ooh. any combination of a uh, Shelvin Mack or Mario Hazonia, that sort of thing. But I do have to ask you, just because it's exciting, about Kemba Walker. Uh, you mentioned that the Magic are in desperate need of, of a playmaker at that position. And obviously, the Charlotte Hornets would want you to take back some bad salary, probably in the mold of a Nicholas Batum or a, a Marvin Williams. And, and you have the, the parts to do it you've got the expiring salary. Uh and you know, maybe you could give uh Bismack Biombo in it in exchange for Batum, Kemba Walker, and I don't know who's another 10 million a year player, maybe a Terrence Ross or something like that, or Nikola Vucevic. How interested would you be in going all in on Kemba Walker?
2: Uh if it's if it's if I get rid of Bismack Biombo's contract, I probably am really interested because uh, you know i think that's kind of the golden goose uh, honestly if if you're willing to take bismack Biombo's... i mean no offense to bismack Biombo. i mean he's a great great dude plays hard but you know his contract is is an albatross if you're willing to take bismack Biombo's contract my ears my ears are going to perk up and i'm going to listen to you very very carefully and if you're going to give me a player like kemba walker without ha- without having me give up aaron gordon that's that's obviously an opportunity i jump at um what what, what i think the sense that I've gotten from Jeff Weltman and and his and his reign so far, or from from his statements that he's made about the trade deadline, is that he doesn't really have kind of a fixed and set plan. He doesn't really. I I, I don't I don't feel like he believes. No, we've uh, kind of more, in a way that I felt like Rob Hennigan sometimes believed that we have to stick to this plan. You know, we're gonna we're gonna lose. You know, we're we're gonna lose this year. We're gonna be bad this year and get that draft pick, and we're gonna get the top draft pick. Uh, I felt like one of the problems with Rob Hennigan was he just lacked a lot of flexibility. And when it when ownership finally got on him, it 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 you know that's when the whole thing fell apart because he just didn't have the flexibility when his plan went wrong. When when his first plans didn't work, and so I get the sense with Jeff Weltman that he's not going down that route. He wants to stay open to everything. So if the Hornets did call about Kemba Walker, they'd listen. Um, because this this is still a franchise that's missed the playoffs for the last five years, and Kemba Walker is a proven All Star. Uh, you put the right group around him; he's proven he can get you to the playoffs. Whether he can get you any further than that, that's another question. That's up to the general manager and the president of basketball operations to build a roster that you know Walker hasn't played with in Charlotte um, to to this point. No offense to Charlotte; I love everything that they've done, but they've they've really struggled to kind of get that second guy to to, to run with Walker, um, you know, through the draft or through free agency. Um, so, if, if you have to take on a, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure the Magic are the best team to make that deal with Charlotte. Uh, number one, I'm not sure what Charlotte is looking for in a, in a trade for Kemba Walker. Are they looking for a budding young star? Are they looking for another all star? Are they looking for a high draft pick? I, are they looking for just cap relief? Are they just going to salary dump him? I, I just don't see the Magic as a great trade partner because they don't have the sal- salary cap room to just absorb him and another big deal. And I, I really don't think that they have the expirings to make, to really kind of make things work on an equitable basis for Charlotte, depending on what Charlotte's goals are. Uh, so, But yeah, I mean, if the Magic can get involved in a deal like that, I think they would absolutely jump at it and be very interested. Um, by all indications, um, answering, I guess, one of your questions earlier, um, by all indications, the Magic won't trade Aaron Gordon unless it's for an all-star, and Kimba Walker is an all-star. The question on Charlotte's end is, are they ready to pay Aaron Gordon, even though he's an expiring contract? And that that's a question I'm not sure they're, they'd be ready
0: to answer right now. Uh, thank you so much. And now I'm, I'm looking at the take. And if they're not willing to take Bismarck, Biambo, it would probably take some combination of Evan Fournier, Busevich, and Terrence Ross. Plus, a first round pick for Gemba and either Nicholas Batum or Marvin Williams, whichever one is more palatable for you, probably Marvin Williams. But that's going to do it for now. Uh, thank you so much. Again, this is Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic and the site editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Before I let you go, let's just uh, take some predictions. How active do you think the Magic will actually be at the trade deadline, which is coming up on February 8th?
2: Uh, I think that, ooh, putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really thought this far ahead because I. I Usually for the trade deadline, I just plan to go to the gym, and my only prediction is a trade will happen while I'm at the gym. Um uh uh but um you know I think the magic will trade Mario Azonia at least. I think they'll find someone to take on Hazonia in all likely, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that Alfred Payton and Mario Azonia get traded together for some young, young point guard who's maybe struggled a little bit in his, in his first stop, wherever he, wherever he is. I don't know what team that would be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where it would work, but the player the magic get back would be a rookie who hasn't quite lived up to the hype. Uh, And, and that would be what the magic do at this trade deadline. And then at the draft and, and in the summer is when we see the magic do a lot of their heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a somebody in the mold of like a Trey Burke or Dante Exum or yeah, exactly. Malik Beasley, something like that. Like Malachi um, Richardson was someone that
2: the, that 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 they talked about um, at the beginning of the season uh, with Mario Azonia. So,
0: yeah, and he was just mentioned to to be uh, on the block if other teams are, are interested. Some other names. I know Sacramento's
2: uh, looking to clear a roster spot too. So.
0: Definitely, because they've they've got a part with George Hill. Apparently they're at the one yard line with the with the Cavs and Meritich, Rodney Hood, Kevin Love, Dame Lillard, Damari Carroll, Jordan Clarkson, DeAndre Jordan, some of the other popular names that are part of trade chatter right now. But like I said, it, it seems like this is going to be a quieter year, but you never know. Uh, thank you so much again, Philip. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before I let you go?
2: Uh, no, that uh, not not much going on. I'll be I'll be writing about the trade deadline here as we get uh, closer and closer to the trade deadline. I'll I'll do my annual trade trade rankings column uh, the week before the deadline. So we're we're getting we're getting to crunch time here
0: excellent thank you so much for your time again you guys if you haven't subscribed already make sure you do to the bird calls we've got an episode this morning with ben debose of locked on rockets uh talking about the upcoming probably the most highly anticipated matchup of the year against the pelicans tomorrow night friday night at the smoothie king center it's going to be nationally televised the pels have won seven to nine so and uh the rockets are 19 and 0 with their big three so it's going to be an engaging matchup and we also had ali kosell in his return today with kevin barrios just recapping some of the week's events and previewing the stuff upcoming so make Make sure you check that out as well again this is philip rossman reich thank you so much my friend uh we'll talk to you guys again soon let's go pals all right what's up guys here is part two of our trade of palooza first we had philip rossman reich and now we have josh bow of maps moneyball what's going on josh
3: uh, nothing much how are you doing over there
0: I'm good, man. I'm over in Orlando. It's very nice weather. It's nice and breezy. Uh, My Pelicans are eight and three in the month of January. So things are looking up for our boys. And uh, we've got a trade deadline coming up. So it's very exciting. Uh, On Bleacher Report, the Mavericks were listed as uh, one of the number one teams out of five that could be very heavily involved. What do you have to say to that, Josh?
3: Uh, I think it's because they got a lot of cap space, uh, to work with. Uh, not a lot of teams have some cap space, so they could, if they wanted to, they could make it very interesting. They could take in some contracts. They could trade out some veterans that they don't really need right now. So, uh, they can kind of go in a lot of different directions.
0: Yeah, here's the exact quote. The Dallas Mavericks are open for business and willing to rent out some of their possible $13.5 in cap space to add some young pieces or draft picks to their rebuild plan. The Mavericks also have a slew of ending contracts. I've never heard them called ending. Usually they're called expiring, including Josh McRoberts at six, Devin Harris, 4.4, and Seth Curry at three. And of course, there's big man Nerlens Noel is also an expiring contract. However, he is vito writes yada 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 anyway i'm going on and on this is all about josh by the way josh tell them where they can find you is it at bowman 55
3: uh yes sir that's on that's me on twitter
0: Yes. Okay. The Mavs are 16-32. and They've largely been out of the spotlight this year, other than Dennis Smith Jr. falling to them in the draft and J.J. Barea calling uh, John Wall unpopular last week, which was pretty funny. Uh, There just hasn't been a whole lot out of Dallas, but we know that Wesley Matthews is on the block, according to Mark Stein, if a team is willing to part with a first. And like I said, New Orleans, Noel could be a get for somebody who wants to take a chance on him. Uh, I, I'm not including his hot dog performance at halftime a few months ago. I'm sure you guys got a lot of grief for that. Did you anticipate in the offseason things going this far south this season?
3: Uh, honestly, I knew it was a possibility. Um, I figured if it was going to go this far south, it would be different. I didn't expect uh, the Seth Curry injury kind of came out of nowhere, so I wasn't expecting... Uh that to hit them pretty hard. Uh he hasn't played all year. And honestly, it didn't look like he's gonna play at all this year. Uh the injury updates have been really vague and kind of ominous. And he's been dealing and it's an injury he dealt with back at Duke in his college days. So that was a huge hit. Um even in my most uh, as Mavs fans will know I'm very pessimistic about the Neurons Noel situation, even in my most pessimistic fantasies, I never imagined that Noel would be not just a non-factor, but not really even part of the team, like, uh, just getting completely benched. Uh, so those two things kind of threw me off and I thought, you know, maybe they might be a little bit more competitive than they were last year, but still be a lottery team, but maybe be, you know, like a 10th or 11th or 12th pick. Uh, instead I didn't, you know, I didn't really expect them to see them, you know, in a top four pick range at this point of the year, uh, just considering that. You know, I thought they did a good job acquiring some young talent and Seth and Noel and those two have literally had no impact on the season at all.
0: Yeah, it's been disappointing, and if you wouldn't mind divulging a bit more information about that Nerlens noel trade, because it is a bit peculiar. Uh, they didn't give up a whole lot to get him. I remember it was a protected first-round pick in exchange for uh, a wing player. I want to say it was Justin Anderson, but yeah. peculiar in that he's managed to play his way so far out of Rick Carlisle's favor that he's getting DNPs all season long, and the Mavericks refused to trade him. Although, like I mentioned, he has a veto on his own trade rights, uh, being that it was part of the the bird rights, and that he signed a qualifying offer. So they're going to lose him for inherently nothing. And they're not even giving him an opportunity to prove himself. Talk about that situation a little bit more.
3: Yeah, it was really weird uh, from the start from the negotiations because when he got traded over here, it was pretty great. Uh Don, Donnie Nelson, the Mavs GM called him a Tyson Chandler starter kit, which was totally accurate considering his skill set and considering how Carlisle likes to use uh, mobile bigs in his offense to be, you know, a rim runner that can kind of create spacing for his perimeter guys by rolling down the lane and attracting defenders. And from when he was traded to the end of the year, that kind of all bore out. He was great. He was one of the best players on the team from the point he was traded to the Mavs till the end of the year. You know, he was one of the few Mavs that had a positive net rating uh, in that time. And when you consider, you know, they finished with the ninth overall pick, that's saying something. Uh, When he was on the floor, he made an impact. He made the team better. He did all the things that we kind of thought that he could do, uh, being a rim runner, being a rim protector, being a guy that can switch out to smaller guys on the perimeter and kind of be a do-all defender in that way. Uh, So it looked great. Uh, It kind of felt like it was really going to work out. And then the offseason comes around and uh, everyone kind of assumed that some other team was going to throw him a max offer sheet and then that Dallas would kind of respond and no one did, you know, the cap space kind of dried up Uh, teams kind of realized they didn't really need a big man like Noel, even though I think he could kind of fit in anywhere because he's so athletic and has uh, such potential to be kind of a two-way player in terms of, you know, being a rim runner, being a, uh, a guy that can switch on defense, but a lot of teams get, kind of already have money sunk into bigs into centers. So the market was really dry for him. Uh, the Mavs kind of made their offer at midnight, the four for 70 deal. He kind of, I feel rightfully was like, you know, I'm going to see if someone's going to give me that max offer sheet. I'm going to wait it out. And the Mavs didn't like that. Uh, and the Noel didn't like the Mavs not coming back with uh, more money. And they kind of had a stalemate. And I guess that immediately rubbed the Mavs the wrong way because, after that, uh, the next thing we hear about Noel after he signed a qualifying offer is the first day media day. You know, before they even have their first practice, Carlisle saying Noel is going to come off the bench, and this is coming after Carlisle saying when Noel was traded, you know, we traded for a future starter. Like he said that that's on the record. So uh, it just got icy from the negotiations, and it seems like both sides uh, had their fair share to blame. You know, the Mavs kind of were a stickler with them. Uh, didn't really have offer a lot of room for negotiation. And then Noel to his credit, uh, or I guess to his, you know, detriment, he didn't really respond well. Uh, He in the limited minutes he's had this year before he got benched. And then before he had this thumb surgery, you know, he was a non-factor. He had a really good opening night game coming off the bench, but then he didn't close it for some reason. Uh, And ever since then he was downhill, but, you know, the Mavs didn't do themselves any favors, you know, player development's kind of a two way street. Uh, The stories come out about his work ethic and he doesn't work hard in practice. And it's like, well, why the Mavericks knew this about him? And this wasn't a problem last year after he got traded, he played very well for them. Uh, So it was kind of like, why aren't the Mavs getting more out of him? You know, it's, there's certainly some blame to go on Noel for not responding maybe better, but the Mavs kind of have a hand in this too. And the way they kind of set the situation up and then, not being able to kind of get more out of Noel uh, in practice and then, you know, and working out and his work ethic.
0: Yeah, it's too bad because you guys have Max Cleaver starting at that four position. You'd have to think Noel would be an upgrade there and putting Cleaver on the bench would probably uh, benefit both parties, but it is what it is. You guys are at the trade deadline and you've got a lot of flexibility, as we already mentioned, Uh, and you've got needs across the board, at least on the the depth chart aside and no telling how much time Dirk Nowitzki uh, wants to keep playing. So talk about some of the things you anticipate the Mavericks needing or exploring while approaching this deadline.
3: Okay, they definitely, the biggest need on the team is they need wings. Uh, and I know that's kind of like everyone, you know, especially, you know, the Pelicans. I know covering the Pelicans, following the Pelicans, you know that very well. You know, just teams around the league need wings, but the Mavs desperately need it. Uh, outside of Harrison Barnes, who plays mostly four for them, they really don't have another player that's like a true wing player. You know, Wesley Matthews kind of plays the three, but, you know, he's about six five, Um and outside of that, they got a bunch of point guards that are between five eleven and six two or six three, and then they got a bunch of bigs that are between six ten and you know seven foot. And then they don't have a lot of perimeter, a, a lot of length, and a lot of height on the perimeter to make up for it. Which is kind of where the league's going, and it's kind of crazy when you see the lineups they throw out there. You know, they're playing two five eleven point guards and a six three point, and then a six three point guard at the three, and Barnes at the four, and a. And then Dwight Powell, who's like 6'10 at the 5, and it's and it's small ball, but it's too small ball. You know They need some size on the perimeter desperately just to balance out the roster a little bit to get guys guarding uh, similarly sized players so they're not so overwhelmed there. So that's what I would kind of look at in terms of position and need. In terms of what they're trying to look to do at the trade deadline, it's really interesting because they still haven't really – embrace that this is like a rebuilding year so to speak you know when you talk to Carlisle when you talk to Cuban when you talk to Dirk when you talk to Wes Matthews they still kind of talk about like you know we needed to kind of turn around to try to make a run out of this and even though they're the fourth worst team in the league right now so they haven't really accepted that this is like a lost year yet so it's it's going to be interesting to see how much they want to trade away some of those veterans you know they really love having West Matthews around the locker room. They love having Devin Harris and JJ Brea as mentors for Yogi Farrell and Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, so the rubbers gonna have to meet the road here because the schedule's getting harder for them and by the time the trade deadline rolls around uh, they're gonna have to make some tough decisions and it's unclear right now if they're ready if they're truly willing to part with the, the veterans that they love so much.
0: Yeah, uh, that there was a Mark Stein report today that they'd be willing to part with Wesley Matthews with a uh, for a first round pick, something I talked about uh, a yeah. little bit earlier, and the Mavericks. Like, like we said, they've got a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of names being floated around. I can't imagine how things would, would be at this point if DeAndre Jordan were, were a Maverick. You guys wouldn't have this uh, cap space. You'd probably have won a, a bit more games, probably be somewhere around that, that five to nine zone that everybody seems to be clumped in at this point. Uh, just a, a different world altogether. Uh, you've got some other names that are floating around, like the Mavs are said to be interested in Julius Randle. There's Jordan Clarkson, Demari Carroll. Damian Lillard was said to be dissatisfied with the direction of the franchise. Kevin Love, Rodney Hood, Meritich, George Hill. Kemba Walker is somebody who's been floated around, but they do want a first-round pick, and they do want to offload salary. And guess what? The, the Mavericks are capable of doing that. It would probably take uh, Dennis Smith plus uh, Cap Filler. But um, the Mavs are, are going to be the subject, if, if not directly for these players, facilitating in a, in a three-team swap uh, a place to just – dump off some salary but you also are equipped with your own first round pick and it's it's bound to be a valuable one right now you guys are sitting at number four i believe are the mavericks willing to part with that pick in in aims of possibly pursuing one of these veterans that are on the trade market right now
3: um i would say as of right now no uh just because the names out there are not kind of the franchise altering uh names i think you know kemba's a really good player but I don't think the Mavs are going to give up a top five pick for him, uh, especially when they've already got Dennis Smith Jr. And uh, they kind of feel he's their guy for the future, you know, and then a player that they might think about that is DeMarcus Cousins. But he, you know, New Orleans gave up not nearly as good a pick as the Mavericks gave up, as the Mavericks would give up uh, to get DeMarcus in New Orleans. And he's going to be a free agent this year, so they're probably going to try to wait, wait out the year and make a pitch to him with their cap space and see what happens. Um, so I, I think it's very, you know, slim unless, you know, something crazy happens and there's a chance that like a really like a top, you know, 10 or 15, you know, top 10 or 15 player is available. Then, you know, maybe they would, but they seem pretty relaxed right now and just kind of holding the fort and just kind of seeing where things go. Um, I think they are more interested in taking on uh, some cap space with a sweetener, such as taking on someone's big contract or, you know, not great contract and then getting a first round pick back. I think that's more the direction they're probably looking to go in. All right,
0: Josh. Good stuff. Uh, by the way, the all-star teams were just announced, in case you haven't seen, in LeBron James, I'll just go through the starters. He took Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and DeMarcus Cousins, so definitely going to be a big lineup, uh, with everybody being 6'8 or taller, with the exception of Kyrie Irving. And that being a story in itself, that Kyrie Irving is on the squad with LeBron James. Uh, Steph Curry took James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo, which a lot of people anticipated, and then paired them with DeMar DeRozan and Joel Embiid. So definitely going to be exciting. This was a a new and fresh way of doing the All-Star game, and definitely at least sparked some interest, even if the game ends up being the same boring old thing. But we'll see if we can not get some more uh, juicy interest out of of this, these team uh, captains-type thing, and see if we can find out who was the last player taken at some point. Josh, let's get to some predictions. Um, like you said, there's just a ton of possibilities. You guys are equipped with your your lottery selection. You've got so much salary that you can offload. You've got space to take somebody back. Do you anticipate the Mavericks getting involved? And what would you think they might do?
3: Uh, I think, I don't think, you know, I think the story of Mark Stein about uh, trading West for a first rounder, I think that's kind of, uh, A little disingenuous, just because I don't know if teams are going to give up a first rounder for West, especially with how teams are very uh, hoarding of their first round picks now. Um, So I think more like the more likely scenario, if the Mavericks do jump in and make some type of splash, uh, I think it'll be some sort of taking on a salary and then trying to get a second round or maybe like a late first rounder. Uh, for instance, I could see them uh, taking back some of Cleveland's unwanted contracts because they need to get out of some cap hell there, but maybe getting Cleveland's own first round pick, which will be somewhere in the 20 range, you would imagine uh, that kind of move. I could see them making uh, maybe a smaller move. Uh, for instance, the Kings have some players that they, they need to get rid of uh, to facilitate a potential George Hill trade. So maybe they would take in a King second rounder and taking one of those kind of end of the roster guys that they want um, and maybe go somewhere like that. Uh, to be honest, I would, I, would be, I would not be surprised if they ended up not making really any move and holding the fort, as crazy that sounds, just because they really do like the idea of having Berea and Harris and Wes and those veterans to surround Smith with. They really like that idea um, as much as that would kind of pain me to see not take advantage of kind of the opportunities that they have here. Um, For me personally, like a, a fun, realistic move. I would love to see them get in the the Rodney hood uh, sweepstakes there. Uh, That's the perfect kind of player that they need right now, the right age, the right size, a, you know, a bigger perimeter guy that uh, has a good offensive game. I would love to see if they could kind of work with the jazz there and, and uh, do something there as the jazz are kind of falling out of it and they're, and they're looking to rebuild as well.
0: Yeah, there's only a couple of teams this offseason that do have available cap space and none of them are are real big winners. The the big headliners of that group being the Chicago Bulls and the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Dallas Mavericks will have themselves right in there with the competition for guys like LeBron if he chooses to leave, DeAndre Jordan, uh Chris Paul obviously probably isn't going anywhere, DeMarcus Cousins. There will be names available and the Mavericks will have as good a shot as anybody else at getting them uh with young guys and Dennis Smith Jr. and Harrison Barnes, if they can continue their improvement, and who knows how much longer Dirk Nowitzki could play. He might be a six man at this point next season. But but you guys have a, a, a lot of potential, a lot of possibility to do something going forward, and we'll certainly have our eye on our Southwest uh, Division foes over there. Uh, Josh Bow, thank you so much for your time. Again, you guys can follow him at Bowman55 and follow all of his work at Mavs Moneyball. Josh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we let you go?
3: Uh, I would just say... Uh for a team that like the Mavs that are in a really odd place where they are not very good, you know, one of the we're bottom four teams in the league. And then there's not a lot of interesting things going on because they've got so many over 30 players playing, you know, Dennis is great and Harrison Barnes is fun, but outside of that, there's not a lot of spark there. So there's kind of, they're kind of a boring bad team, so to speak. Uh, I guess I would just say plug the fact that, you know, our staff has done a really good job of coming up with story ideas and, and creating a lot of cool things to, to check out. So I'd uh, so even though the Mavs might not be the most interesting team in the league, uh, we're still putting out a lot of good stuff. Well, uh,
0: best wishes to you guys and the guys at Maps Moneyball. You guys have always been really nice to us, and and best of wishes this off season. The Maps will certainly be somebody to keep an eye on, not just because of all of their flexibility, but also because you got Mark Cuban as an owner, one of the more interesting guys in the league, somebody who's always outspoken and uh, even involves himself in, in a couple of the the, the television uh, celebrity limelight type uh, circles, like uh, Shark Tank. Uh, so best wishes to you, Josh. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Preston Ellis. We might have a part three. We might not. Uh, Chris Manning of Locked On Cavaliers is said to be circling these waters at some point. We'll see if we can't nail them down. If not, I'm Preston Ellis. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got a, a preview of the Rockets with Ben DeBose of Locked On Rockets, that was this morning, as well as a recap of the Hornets matchup with Ali and Kevin, as well as previewing some of the events coming up this week, like the matchup against the Clippers on Sunday. Again, I'm Preston Ellis. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back soon. Let's go, pals. Hey, what's up, guys? The All-Star units have been announced. It is out now. LeBron has selected... Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and DeMarcus Cousins. That's right. Our two big guys are on the same team as LeBron James, somebody who is rumored to be interested or at least excited about the possibility of someday playing with DeMarcus Cousins. It was mentioned on Dan Levitard's show today that uh, that he is an admirer of Boogie, and of course, whenever Boogie put up that great stat line at 44-24-10-4 in 51 and a half minutes, LeBron James reached out to him via Twitter saying, sheesh, man, crazy stat line. So that'll be exciting to have those three together, as well as Kevin Durant. What a large lineup. Everybody standing at 6'8 or taller. And on Team Steph, we've got Steph Curry and James Harden, no shocker there, as well as Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeMar DeRozan, and Joel Embiid. So you'd have to think at that, at that point that maybe LeBron won the first round of this draft being paired with Kyrie Irving, a story in itself, Davis, Durant, and Cousins. As far as the reserves, LeBron's got Bradley Beal, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, Victor Oladipo, Chris Stapps Porzingis and John Wall and Steph is slated with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, his two buddies, Jimmy Butler, Dame Lillard, Al Horford, Kyle Lowry, and Carl Anthony Towns. So the big exciting thing there, obviously, is LeBron taking his buddy Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and DeMarcus Cousins. That'll be the story. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's not for another three and a half weeks, so hopefully they'll have some time to, to practice and perfect their game. And maybe Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins can uh, coddle up to LeBron and and talk about a trip to New Orleans this offseason. You know, crazier things have happened. All right, you guys, for now, this is Preston Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today.
1: That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.